During the whole making of X-Men and the casting of X-Men, I was there in the production office. Remember, you don't need to scream for help when Banshees are around Was it supposed to be Jean or was it supposed to be Madeline? I drew that image and a deliberate hint at things to come. What makes Marvel Legends so special? Just the partnership with Marvel, you know, continuing to work with Jesse Falcon. This is your special guest host, Mr. Sinister. <laughs> you would never put Storm in a ponytail. That would be well, weird. You could, but that would be weird. <laughs> but giving it to Jean kind of made her the girl next door that everybody could talk to. When I met Stan, he was very gracious and 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 very kind. This is the Power of X Men podcast. I am your host, Dayspring. Hope you survive the experience. My guest today needs no introduction. He created the House of X Facebook group and is co-host of the House of X podcast. He works tirelessly to foster a positive fandom community and spotlight marginalized voices. He is a huge M and Warpath stan. He isn't the biggest Gene stan, but (laughs) I'll let that slide because every time I have a question or just need some advice, he's always there to respond and be a guiding light. Please welcome Warpath Dylan. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I might not be the biggest Gene fan, but I am incredibly jealous of your Bowen statue. Oh, Gene, I have always wanted that statue, but it has always been way too much. So <laughs> well, I got it right when it came out. So I didn't have to pay way too much. Oh, for okay. It. You're lucky. You're one of those that got it when it came out. <laughs> <laughs> One of those gene stands. Yes. I I didn't want it until years later. So that's why it costs so much. Yeah. I think I ordered her. I pre-ordered her from, is it Midtown? It probably was Midtown. And she came in and I've had her in a box in a closet for like almost a decade. And now that we have much more room in this apartment, I, I finally can display her. Not that much more room, because this is a very small room, but nonetheless. <laughs> Dylan, how's your Saturday morning going? Uh, it's it's going good. Um, I've, watched, I've watched a whole lot of Drag Race, because I'm actually a person who has never watched Drag Race in my life. And then, then with the new season that's currently on right now, I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh my god, there's been like 16 years of or 16 seasons of me not watching this phenomenon. So I've been binging. I'm on the sixth, seventh season right now. I've watched the first seven seasons now. And season eight, I did watch because of Dax. But oh, Dax. Yeah. now I'm like obsessed with everything that gay men have been obsessed with <laughs> for the past like 14 years. And I'm like sending gifts and memes and stuff to people. And they're like, yes, this, this was funny eight years ago, but thanks for catching up. <laughs> You're like, fuck my drag, huh? Yes. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny. I came late to Drag Race. I came in the season after Sharon Needles, which I'm not remembering. But have you gotten to All-Stars season two yet? I have not. I've only watched All-Stars season one. All-Stars season two is event television. <laughs> I will rewatch it with you if you need a friend to rewatch it. <laughs> okay. Some moment. And I, I'm not spoiling it for you, but you will literally go, oh, they went there. <laughs> awesome. 
Well, this could be a drag race podcast, obviously, but <laughs> we have a Warpath Dylan on the show today to talk about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. First episode premiered last night on Disney Plus. And before we hit the recap, I have Warpath here and I have so many questions that I want to <laughs> ask him. So I'm sorry, Dylan. You're like, I haven't even had my cup of coffee yet. And I'm You're fine nuts on questions because I just love talking to you and I just I love your energy I love how infectious those positive vibes are and one of the things that I love that you've done recently is the House of X gala tell us about it please I want the exclusive I want the exclusive tell us about it uh, well, uh, I think it kind of has to deal with the fact that I am watching Drag Race and, <laughs> and just the, that even just like a month or two ago, the excitement that people were having for the Hellfire Gala, I think it, it really kind of came from like the excitement of the X-Men election of everyone voting for who they wanted to be the next X-Men and it being revealed at the hellfire gala and i was just like i love how excited everybody is for this and the gala and the voting and i was like i kind of want to do something like that and i didn't really know how to do it but i messaged my co-host regina and i was like i'm putting something together i don't know what it is but i just need you to say yes and i'm gonna try to make it as big as i can and she's like do whatever because it usually <laughs> always works so yeah, I, I decided that I wanted to have my own type of gala. I didn't know how to do that. But then I was like, well, there's people like Power of X-Men and the X-Wife podcast and X-Reads. And I was like, that's a bunch of people that I would love to have at a party. And so what can I do with that? I was like, these are people that I do stuff with all the time. What can I do that makes it a little bit different? And so I was like well, there's a billion X-Men podcasts out there and they're all different. And I know a lot of fans or maybe the fans don't see it that way, but I know a lot of those podcasts might see each other as competitors. And I don't think we are. I think we're all really different. And I think we may not all listen to each other's shows, and we might not because deep down inside, we might think that we are competitors. So we don't listen to the other person's show and you might actually like it if you know what it's about. So I invited a bunch of X-Men podcasts to all be in one spot so we could get to know each other if you don't already know each other. I love what you just said, because we've spoken about that too on, on DMs previously about there is no competition here. All these podcasts, they're so completely different. And if you just give another podcast a chance, you're going to find that like they have a totally different approach. And I, I remember when I first kind of came onto the podcast scene, some people, you know, slid into my DMs and they were be, they were like, Oh, how about the other podcasts? You know, is it really competitive? And I'm like, not at all. <laughs> everyone's been so friendly and welcoming and I've seen it similarly with writers in New York and even auctioneers in New York you're you're in the same business but you have very different approaches and different styles 
And someone like the ex-wife, for example, that's Justin and Alicia. And, you know, it's a conversation of a husband introducing his fandom to his wife and his wife falling in love with and becoming like the biggest fan. You and Regina are all about going through the weeklies, spotlighting marginalized voices and having guests on, you know, here, like we do guests predominantly and, you know, stuff like WandaVision and, and, and the Falcon, the winter soldier and X reads. What I love that X read does, they bring in guests and they reenact scenes from the comic. Yeah. It's, it's so vastly different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I, I will be the first one to admit, I haven't listened to every one of your episodes, but I think <laughs> that Eject. <laughs> I think people or maybe even other podcasters need to realize that maybe you don't have to listen to every episode. You might like this episode, but not that episode or things like that. Like you might have a Jean Grey episode. I might not want to listen to that. <laughs> But, <laughs> but you have a Madeline Pryor episode, so I would love to listen to that. And I mean, there might be other podcasters that think that way. And I just want us to all get a chance to meet the other podcaster, not meet their show, but meet them and hear why they do what they do. And that might help somebody think, oh, well, maybe I should listen to that podcast and things like that. And another reason I did it is because Regina and I used to be on a different podcast, but before we left that podcast, the pandemic had started and we had been asked by X reads, uh, cause they had started a, I can't think of the right word, but they wanted podcasts to join forces to be able to raise money for comic book stores when the pandemic started. Really? And it was really yeah, it was really the first time that when we were on that podcast, we worked with other podcasts. And I was like, these people are nice and amazing and like not competitors. And then it just kind of snowballed from there when Regina and I started our own podcast. I was like, all the other podcasts are nice and different and we don't need to try to one up each other and everything because we're all different and unique. And it's just like the X-Men comics. There's like 12 X-Men titles right oh. now. Are they competitors? No, but are they kind of the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was speaking with Jordan D. White and he said, we are publishing 12 different titles and you don't need to like all of them. And that's okay. And I love that philosophy and that approach, but I, I do want to share a story I was part of the House of X Facebook group. And by the way, Dylan, I'm sorry. I, I, I can be very daft sometimes. I did not put two and two together that House of X podcast is the same as House of X Facebook group. So I posted on, you know, one of the groups there, a link to the podcast episode. And I think it got deleted or something. And, and one of your moderators sent me a note and I felt like terrible. And at the same time, we were kind of like talking on, on Facebook Messenger, I think I messaged you, you know, asking you, hey, do you want to be a guest on, on, on this new podcast? And you were like, oh, no, just tell them Dylan said it was okay for you to post a link. And I just want to elucidate that story because you gave a platform for this brand new baby podcast while you were established, while you have a huge community that you're spearheading. And I just want to thank you for that. And I think that sentiment 
is being translated into the gala of the year. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Uh, please don't call it the gala of the year. <laughs> but thanks. Listen, I have been, I, I go to many galas or at least up until February, 2020, I went to many galas weekly and I am so excited for this one. Before we move on from the gala, can you tease us? What are you going to wear? What are you going to wear? What, what is the Emma Frost of the House of X gala going to wear? Are you going to have outfit changes? Um, I don't think there's going to be outfit changes. Uh, there might. And only just because of the fact that Emma seems to be having outfit changes for the Hellfire Gala. I, I wasn't going to do it, but then when I saw that Emma's going to, I'm like, oh, maybe I should. <laughs> but I, I will say to talk about what I'm wearing, it was colors that I had already chose that I was going to wear prior to Russell Dodderman's preview. But it is going to be the same colors that Monet has. And it's funny because it's exactly the reason I chose it. I love that for the past few years, Monet's colors have been black, white, and red. And so I had already chosen that black, white, and red were going to be my colors for this. I cannot wait. You did a Instagram live with Samantha Ray and you already had some... <laughs> Regina had a gorgeous necklace. I, I am really excited. And listeners, that episode just aired yesterday, right? Yes, Samantha's episode debuted yesterday. That is gnarly that you got someone from Project Runway to go through <laughs> the Hellfire Gala looks. Yes. That's gnarly, man. That is so great. <laughs> I, I think... I, I just want to say I really love that, not to like sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but like House of X has a lot of different types of people and X-Men fans in it. And a lot of the other smaller House of groups do, too. And Samantha Ray is a part of House of Storm and House of X, and she's a huge X-Men fan. And it's just like, it. why don't I ask those people like, Hey, do you want to be on the show and talk about your nerdiness? Like some of our other smaller houses actually have some creators like Gail Simone and David Baldione in them. And it's just like, it's neat to see that something that I made even gets celebrity nerds as well. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, how did you come up with the idea of starting the house of, you know, insert character name, <laughs> How did you come up with that? What was that moment like that you decided you wanted to create that community? Well, I, I, I wish that I had like a, a fun origin story for that, but I kind of don't. Uh, I want to say probably back in 2013, 2014 is really when I discovered that Facebook groups were like a thing. Like I knew they were, but I thought that they were more like a kind of like a gatekeeper-y type of thing. And I didn't want to be a part of it. But then I joined a few X-Men ones and then I like showed off like some custom busts that I had made and things like that. And there was someone who became very friendly with me and he was like, I have my own X-Men group and I think you're customs would be neat there and just your energy is really good. So would you join it? And so I did. And then he had me become like an admin of his group. And 
I realized that he just didn't have the same energy as me. And we kind of disagreed on a lot of things of what his group should be. And then someone else asked me if I would join their group and be an admin because they liked my energy and they wanted to give me free reign. So I left that other group and joined this one and really made that group my idea. But then that person didn't really care for the way that I did things. And I didn't really care for the way they did things either because it seemed very gatekeepery and I wanted everything to be fun and high energy. And so eventually I was like, I need to stop joining these other people's things and just have my own space. Cause then that way I don't have to worry about things and rudeness. And so, yeah, in 2016, I was like, I'm just going to make my own. So I made my own and yes, it was a, a play on the words house of M, but I was like, I'm going to have house of X. <laughs> and, and then years later, Hickman decided to steal my idea. But <laughs> I, I want to say, yeah, I want to say, I can't remember what year that was at C2E2 that that was announced. Was it? I feel like it was 2019. I think it was 19. And I actually went to that C2E2 and it was my first C2E2, but I didn't go to the X-Men panel because I was too busy doing other stuff. But there was other members of House of X that went to it. And as soon as it was announced, like, I feel like before people posted on social media, people texted me and they're like, Marvel stole your idea. And I'm like, (laughs) what is happening? I don't understand. And they're like, they're using House of X as their next big thing. And yeah. (laughs) that is just, I, I I would love to see your reaction when you saw that name, just like your face. I I was I I was happy, but I was also like, but that was my idea. <laughs> but you you also mentioned that you got a substantial amount of community members coming in after that announcement. Yes, after that announcement, I want to say that weekend my Facebook group probably got 300 new members and just because of the name. And then when the books finally did come out that like six months later, it just continuously for quite some time, it was like 50 or 60 new members every other day. Well, I, I love the communities you've created. I love your podcast. I, you know, as we were talking right now, it, it, it struck a big chord with me because I too felt very displaced by how toxic places can be. And you sometimes just want to go online and talk about your favorite X-Men character and people just get angry at you or or then you have to engage in conversations you don't even want to engage in. And, you know, I, when I initially thought about doing a podcast, I thought, okay, well, how can I get into someone else's room and, you know, have conversations, but very true to what you did as well. You're like, actually I can have my own room and it can be a very positive room and it can be a room where everyone brings their ideas and we can agree to disagree because that's half the fun of fandom. You Mm -hmm. know, sorry you have such bad taste that you're not a Jean Grey stan, but, (laughs) (laughs) but we can sit down, we can laugh about it. We have a good time, but there's no room for hate. 
That's the only thing that's going to be monitored. You can't come in here and tell us North Star and Kyle is a political move from Marvel. No, it fucking is not. There is yeah. no political agenda from two characters being married. You know, it's and 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 I see a lot of that in your forums that you've created. So it's always every time I think. I'm pretty sure House of Jean Grey, House of X, House of Marvel, House of LGBTQI+, and, and Scarlet Witch are the only ones, like only X-Men groups I follow on Facebook. And it's such a joy to see it. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. I, I wanted to mention before we moved on from it, that like you said, there is House of, insert, whatever. Okay. And I did that too, because even though there's like some negative fans out there that might be negative in a big giant open world of all of the X-Men. There's some that might not be as negative if they just have like a house for their own favorite character. <laughs> and so that's why I did that too, because I wanted people to like have a place, even if they don't like the big house, they might like a smaller house. So yeah, certain characters might be more controversial in when it comes to X fandom, because the X Men fans are very controversial sometimes, and what? so what are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, when it comes to some controversial characters, the first two people that had their own individual houses were Iceman and Emma Frost, and unfortunately, Iceman's controversial because of certain fans and them liking or disliking him being gay, but. That's so, if, if someone's upset about Bobby coming out, I'm like, have you listened or not listened? Have you read stories? Yeah, it, it's just some, some, yeah, some people don't understand subtext. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't understand why, again, the, the X-Men are all about subtext. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, in, in politics and X-Men, nothing new, nothing new. Yeah. Like, so it just baffles me. Yeah. I wanted to mention one thing. I'm not even like a huge Iceman fan at all, mm -hmm. oh, but really? <laughs> even myself. And I mean, there might be other gay people out there or listeners of yours that might be like me. And I, when Iceman did first come out, I actually was one of those people that was like, is this just so Marvel can get money on <laughs> A story but yeah. uh i guess luckily for me even though it didn't turn out so possibly unlikely for me i was dating someone at the time and they had just came out around the same time and they were a good 15 years older than me and they helped me understand more so that there is people that come out late in life so i know comic book ages are weird and iceman's like in his 20s but if you compare it to like when he has or how long he's been in comics if he's like 50 or so uh yeah people do come out late in life and those people are comic book fans too and they need to be able to see someone that they can relate to so again even though bobby seems 20 in comics he's still someone coming out late in his life and that's someone that they can relate to. They can't relate to someone like Bling or Anol who know that they're gay and that they're a new character. They can't relate to a new character. They need to relate to someone who has been around and then they come out. 
because that's always someone's story whenever a gay character is announced. Why can't they make new ones? Well, yes, that that does make sense to an extent, but people who come out late in life need to be able to relate to someone too. I'm sorry, that that's just so beautifully put. <laughs> I just like getting watery here. I, I have plenty of friends who, when I first moved to New York City back in like 2006, and I was working at The Advocate, they, they, they were, I'm, I'm only talking about uh, gay men, they were in their mid thirties and they had just come out and, and they, and they embraced themselves and they came work and they left whatever job they had before to come work at planet out and, and, and fight for a cause and getting to know their cause. And it's, it's just so beautiful. And I agree. People come out late in life and stories should reflect that. And, you know, in terms of, you know, Marvel and having characters, you know, put out there are they banking off of narratives that belong to a certain community you know I I always go back and forth on it I don't like uh narratives being exploited but at the same time they are an IP they're in the IP business and you know those stories are being put out there in a big way and now think about it Iceman being gay coming out that's just now part of the character's narrative and that was what what year was that? Was that like 2014, 2013? It was like um, the Bendis era. Yeah, I think it was actually 2015. 2015. And, yeah. And like five years, six years. I'm like, what fucking year are we in? <laughs> six years later. My God. That narrative, like no one questions it anymore. Yeah. Anyways, so we can go on and on about the <laughs> X-Men. And I want to because I love talking to you. Listeners, this is why I talk to him every day because he's just so great he's such a a wealth and listeners go follow him go follow house of x because they have such great vibes and they're such great souls but today we're here to talk about the falcon and the winter soldier episode one yes i'm so So, excited dylan what were your expectations going in my expectations, I think I was kind of setting them low because I wanted it to do so good <laughs> um, in a weird reverse psychology way. Um, because I, I know that lots of people like Bucky or like Winter Soldier, but I, I know that there's not a huge like Falcon MCU Falcon fan base. And so I was like, this this is maybe not going to be as great as they think it is. Like WandaVision is one thing. There's huge Scarlet Witch and Vision fans, but Falcon fans. mm. Yeah. So I, I wanted it to do good, but would not not be surprised or shocked or mad if it did bad because fandom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what precisely my expectations were. They weren't at the level where mine were at for WandaVision. Like my expectations for WandaVision were like up here. I, I will say my expectations for the first episode are were met. Surprisingly a little over it and we'll, we'll get into that. But I'm not, I'm not expecting Magneto to come in <laughs> <laughs> or Evan Peters to be the Fox Quicksilver. So, you know, my, yeah. my expectations are very, you know, managed. I'm not being a clown with my, with my fan theories. Yeah, I, I agree. I, at least with Falcon Winter Soldier, I'm not going to be like, was that Mephesto or... <laughs> 
Was that spoon on that table signifying Mephesto is there? Have you seen the memes online where like, I'm forgetting what the tweet, the specific tweet I'm thinking of where they're like, the greatest thing Mephisto did was convince the world he existed. (laughs) I was like, yes, I just love everything. And like, you know, the Leonardo DiCaprio from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood pointing at something being like, Mephisto, 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 you know, it's, it was fun. I, yes, I it love was fun. that engagement. And I think we, as a community, all were talking about WandaVision. And it was, hey, you're locked up for a year, no MCU content. It was nice to engage on that level. Yes. And I, I hope Falcon and Winter Soldier get that. So, same. Do you think we're going to get any X Men references? I don't think we will, but <laughs> who knows? I mean, uh, I don't even know if it's confirmed, but I is Madripoor supposed to be in, in one of these episodes? So so it is in the end credits. There's okay. a, a little line in like all the text there that say Madripoor. So, so that's as far as that, I'm going. Yeah, that's probably the only X-Men reference we're going to get. I don't or, expect to see yeah. like Hugh Jackman with an eye patch. Yeah, but who knows? You got to watch those freeze, freeze frames when they're there. I wouldn't be surprised if Marvel put in somebody random with an eye patch just to make fans go crazy. <laughs> what Marvel trolling fans? <laughs> Unheard of. <laughs> All right, so let's see how you feel about these characters. I'm going to give you a fuck Mary kill. Oh, yes. Are you ready? <laughs> no, I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> fuck Mary kill. Steve Rogers, Sam Wilson, and Bucky Barnes. I'm so torn because I don't know how to answer this. Um, I'm weird and I love a sad soul because <laughs> this might be TMI, but I feel like I'm a sad soul with a lot of things in my life. So I kind of want to marry Bucky I, I feel like that might be a lot of people's not Mary choice, but I want to marry Bucky. Okay. And the other two, it's so hard because uh, they're both gorgeous. And I, I think it might be harder if I was trying to pick if I wanted to marry Sam or Steve, mm-hmm. um, because I feel like both of them are very loyal. I feel like Sam would be more loyal because Steve is going to, he'll be loyal to you, but he's loyal to the country more. <laughs> So, um, I don't know. I, I'm sadly going to, I guess, kill Sam and fuck Steve. I can't not sleep with Captain America. So I mean, I that's, that's the only reason I'm sorry, Falcon. We love you, Falcon. (laughs) Anthony Mackie's smile throughout this episode. Oh my God. Like my heart melted the entire time. Yeah. I, he, he I saw this on a meme where it, it said something like he feel it. He looks like he knows something about you. I posted that last night. <laughs> oh, okay. It was you. Okay. I, posted I, it last night. I yeah. couldn't remember where I saw it. And I was because like, that is I'm, so true. I was sleeping last night and I just, I, I was trying to sleep and I come in and out of my sleep. And so I just like, I literally, I don't know if this happens here. I wake up with like my phone in my hand browsing Twitter <laughs> and I'm like, this 
is like reading my soul right now because <laughs> that's what yes I, yes and I and I get that and yeah and that, and I mean I'm thinking more of the MCU when you did the fuck Mary kill and that's <laughs> one of the things that it was so hard to kill Sam because <laughs> I love that he might know something about you he yeah he could Anthony Mackie's gorgeous yeah gorgeous yeah and I'm with you on like the sad soul there's something about Sebastian Stan and like the way he plays Bucky and, and Bucky trying to be funny, but being awkward about his jokes and being aware that he's awkward of his jokes. Like the layers with that. I'm just like, yes. Mm-hmm. If, if the question was fuck, Mary kill Chris Evans, Anthony Mackie or Sebastian Stan, my answers would be different, but oh. it's because of the way Sebastian plays Bucky. Oh, that is bravo Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that now I have to ask, fuck, Mary, kill Anthony Mackie, Sebastian Stan, and Chris Evans. I would marry Anthony Mackie. Yes. Yeah. I guess the answer is still going to be the same for Chris Evans. I'll fuck Chris Evans and probably kill Sebastian Stan. Oh. <laughs> Do you remember when Sebastian Stan was on Gossip Girl? Did you watch Gossip Girl? I actually didn't watch <gasps> Gossip Girl. I know. What did you do in the mid 2000s? You're not watching Drag Race. You're not watching Gossip Girl. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a part of me being a bad gay that I didn't watch Gossip Girl or Drag Race. But I mean, I know Sebastian from uh, Once Upon a Time. That was my first introduction to him. I never watched Once Upon a Time. He played the Mad Hatter on Once Upon a Time for like six or seven episodes. Okay. But once once again, a dark brooding, like, <laughs> man, eye makeup dude. So, yeah. Not the Johnny Depp version. <laughs> Correct. Not that one. So, I know you have feels on some of the actors of the series. Yes. And I want to dive into those. So, okay. let's start first. His looks aside, give us your feels on Anthony Mackie. Uh... Well, yeah, like he said, looks aside, he's gorgeous. Um, <laughs> I I think he is just so a handsome. really good actor. Yeah. And I I would go so far to say I think he's even a better actor than some of the main MCU Avengers. I, I just think he's really good at his craft. And um, I can't remember what interview it was in, but I think Kevin Feige, in an interview, he said that Anthony Mackie was one of the few people in the MCU that didn't even have to audition for getting his role. Like, they wanted him to be Falcon. And I think that shows how great of an actor he is. So that that is my main thing, is he's an amazing actor. And uh, I really love, in case people don't know or watch the Netflix show Black Mirror, but Anthony Mackie was in an episode of Black Mirror. If you don't know Black Mirror, all their episodes are just one story. It's they, such a great story. Yeah. They don't connect to each other, but they do in tiny little ways. But anyway, he was in an episode where it just talked about two guys having like a bromance and how that actually kind of turned into like love. And Anthony Mackie was interviewed and asked like what he thought about that episode. And he said that he loved doing that episode. He didn't care that it was a gay romance between guys that were brothers, but he loved doing it because it showed how love can be so many different things 
and not necessarily a sexuality and things like that. And he even opened up about how when he was younger, he may have possibly been homophobic because he just didn't understand gay people. He didn't have gay people in his life until he was in college. And then he had a friend that called him out on being ignorant and that completely changed his mind. And so I just love someone like that, that can talk about how they had past failures and how they changed when someone finally like told them you're doing something wrong and you need to look at yourself. So yeah, I, I love Anthony more after reading that info about him and him talking about his Black Mirror episode. And I mean, who doesn't love an episode where you get to see Anthony Mackie kiss a dude? <laughs> I First of all, like the, my eyes are spinning because listeners, we do not talk about our responses in advance. Like we are having this conversation in real time. First of all, I love Black Mirror. And it's such a great series that like examines technology's effect on society in just very smart, clever ways and how it profoundly impacts humanity and our interactions. But that episode of Black Mirror with Anthony Mackie, what I love about it is that they're playing like their version of Street Fighter. And that version, you can become your character. So I'm forgetting the other actor's name who plays opposite of Anthony Mackie. He is the Chun-Li character of Street Fighter and Anthony Mackie is the Ryu of Street Fighter. And so as they are fighting, they start having sex. So presumably you can also, you you feel these things and everything. It was such a smart, well done, well acted episode and i'm so glad that i i forgot about that episode until now and when i was on on a bachelor party going to key west with my bros and actually one of my bros phil is going to be on episode four of these recaps and you're going to hear all about him but for his bachelor party we were driving there and we talked about that episode in great detail and these are a bunch of cisgender straight guys who had a very real conversation about that situation and it wasn't homophobic at all it was so insightful and that episode just sparked so much good conversation yeah i I don't want to sound like i'm copying off of you but uh, for me in my life it's weird i usually just have straight friends and I tend to have a lot of straight guy friends and yeah when that episode came out they had so many conversations with me like I I I mean it it wasn't that shocking to me because I'm gay and it just it made sense to me but for them I think that that episode spoke to them and helped them I mean they were they're very gay friendly too but I think it made them understand even more like anthony mackie said that love is on so many different levels and yeah even some of them i do play video games with and they're like uh (laughs) but yeah it it did start good conversations that even a straight person that is gay friendly it took them to a whole level that maybe some of them didn't even think of yeah yeah no i i'm sorry i'm just I just, just love this conversation so much. And I'm like, should we move on in the conversation? Or can yes. we <laughs> Your episode's going to be like four hours long. Oh, whatever. It's with you. So that's fine. Great. <laughs> All right. So Emily Van Camp. Oh my God. I love Emily. She is on my like list of like six female celebrities that would make me straight. <laughs> 
I love Emily so much. Uh, I think it's mainly because when you're a teenager and you're watching TV, certain actors will just become imprinted on your life. And so when I was younger, I loved Everwood. Yes! 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 So, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Sorry. I'm and, so sorry. I'm so excited. I love talking to you. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I mean, even despite certain celebrities that play Star Wars, political views on things, like Chris Pratt is always going to be stuck in my mind too because of Everwood. And so yeah. Emily is just, I love her. And I feel like everything she is ever in makes me love her more. And I especially love her from Brothers and Sisters. Uh, on ABC. First of all, I forgot about Brothers and Sisters. (laughs) That came on after Desperate Housewives starring Sally Field. (laughs) Yes. I mean, how could you not want to watch something with Sally Field? And I actually, again, being a bad gay, I didn't even really like Calista Flockhart. So I didn't want to watch it because she was in it. But Emily was in it and I loved her in that. And again, being another bad gay, I didn't watch Revenge when it was on. But like three years ago, I watched it and I was like, oh my God, I want to marry Emily. I've never seen Revenge. What is it? What's I I, no, don't hit me. (laughs) No, it's fine. I didn't watch it until it was like off. But it's what's the premise? It's another ABC drama, but it was like more soap opera E and uh it's just a girl wanting to seek revenge on a bunch of rich people that did her and her family wrong. And it's it's like Desperate Housewives meets Alias. It's right. it's amazing. And I, I know the shot yeah. of her with her back to with the her dress, with yeah, her dress and red. That was like the huge promo. So I, yeah. I know of it. I just never yes. saw it. I think you would love it. It's great. And there's even some graphic novels that were made because of how great it was. I uh, Marvel published the graphic novel, but I can't remember who wrote it or did the art, but. Uh, yeah, I, the, the main character, when she seeks revenge on all these rich people, she apparently did a whole bunch of stuff leading up to starting to attack these people. And, and when she starts to attack them is when the show starts. And they always talk about, well, I went and did this type of training or whatever. And then Marvel, like a year into it, released a book or a graphic novel of that past. So that made me like it even more. Oh, I love that so much. So are you, so you're excited for her return? Yes, I am excited for Sharon Carter. Uh, I remember because of my love for Emily, when she was in the first Captain America movie, I squealed in the movie theater because I, I don't think I knew that she was in it because she had such a small role. She wasn't in any of the trailers and things, but when I saw her in that, I was like, oh my God, it's Emily. But yeah, I I love her. When she was uh, Steve's neighbor with the laundry. Yes. And Marvel always does that. They're so coy with who is this character. And then she's revealed to be Agent 13. Yeah, a badass. And that scene, badass is the right word because that scene where shit is hitting the fan and she puts her hands on her waist and she like looks at and, you know, her jacket goes back a little bit in the in in the shield uh, headquarters. I love that. I still think of it. She was so, so strong and... I loved her. Why did you hear something that I don't know how I feel? Maybe you can point me. How did you feel about her romance with Steve? Given Peggy. Yeah. Stucky, as we will discuss momentarily. Yeah. 
She's huh. one of this is why you can't not only is uh Steve married to the country, he also has so many other people on the side. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's why that's you cannot a, marry Steve. Yeah, that's why you can't marry him. He has the country, he has Peggy, who's never gonna get over. You're always gonna be second fiddle to Peggy. <laughs> and then and Bucky, and yeah, that's why you can't marry him. Um I it's weird, but I, I don't have a problem with Sharon maybe having a crush on Steve and Steve having a crush on her because she didn't know. Like, I feel no one knew about Peggy and Captain America. So it's not weird to me. Yeah. Who, would, who wouldn't want to have a crush on <laughs> Captain America? I, I think the only grievance I have with that romance is that they didn't know what to do with it at the yeah. time. And I get it, you know, and we talk about this with the books as they're being published weekly. A lot of creators, you know, they don't know where the story is going to go years from now. You know, it's coming out weekly. In this case, with the movies, it's coming out the year it is. Actor availability, where are they going to take the story, stuff like that. So it just felt, and and I'm just saying that because the way I saw it, it just felt a little flimsy to me. Like she was introduced in Winter Soldier and then in Civil War, they kissed, but then that's kind of it. So. I didn't know what they were trying to go for it, but it's okay, Steve, you know, he's, he, ha- he can have love interests that maybe are just one-offs. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to mention real quick, just because of me loving Emily and Sharon so much, I do love, and I feel like people don't pay attention to that fact that in, I think it was Winter Soldier when Bucky was breaking out of shield or breaking out of that place where they had him and like all the big tough men, Captain America, Falcon, Black Panther, they're like, okay, I'm going to try to fight Bucky, but you can't because he's like a super soldier at that point in time. And then even Natasha and Sharon are like, we're going to go toe to toe with this guy, even (laughs) though we stand no fucking chance against him. And I love that because even for if you cut out Black Widow, like Black Widow is a superhero and Sharon's just this cop quote unquote and she's like okay i'm gonna try to punch him and kick him but yeah i love that she's a badass even though she knows she doesn't stand a chance (laughs) well i i can't wait to see her in the series as well i i'm disappointed spoilers you're you're on the spoilery episode listeners but spoilers she is not in this episode yet yes I I was upset about that. And real quick, I did want to mention how you said, like, how Steve has so many people in his life. I didn't even think about it until this episode, even though her name's not in the title and she's not in the first episode. Like, the three main people of this show are Falcon, Bucky, and Sharon. And it's like, oh, wait, like, in a weird way, all three of these people have a relationship with Captain America. (laughs) And they might secretly, deep down, hate the other person for having their own relationship with Steve. (laughs) I just re- I just remembered that part in Civil War where the three of that or four of them are in the, the car. <laughs> yes. Well, that's actually I don't want to veer too much, but that actually just hit a little light bulb in my head because I didn't realize that you're right. They all have their own relationship with Steve. Do you think between all three of them there there could be some like low key animosity? Yeah, yeah. I, I think <laughs> they, they might secretly deep down like wait. Sharon would be like, uh, Sam and Bucky have a relationship with Steve that I don't. I hate them for that. <laughs> and Sam might hate Bucky because he's like, you have the 
decades relationship back when you two were growing up that I didn't. And Bucky might be like, Sam has that relationship that he has with Steve because I was dead or thought dead. No, you you bring up the really, so I feel that like, Sam. And they might hate Sharon because she's a female. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> Steve's straight, damn it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, so I, I was thinking that like Sam may look at Bucky as someone who probably knows Cap in such an intimate, real way and has seen him through decades of his life. Well, you know, not full decades, but you understand what I'm saying. And then like Bucky can look at at Sam and be like, wow, you're the best friend to Steve that I could never be. Yeah. And then you got Sharon who's here like, um, I think low-key this boyfriend I had for like a second was obsessed with you, Bucky. <laughs> and like you had something going on there. And Bucky yeah. could be like, uh, he obviously made out with you. So I I yeah. want that to sit down and just drink <laughs> Spoiler alert, I need Bucky's therapist to sit down with all of them in the room. (laughs) I need her to set them all down. (laughs) Who is that actress? I was looking at her and I'm like, I know her from somewhere. She killed it. She killed it. Okay, wait. We're getting ahead of ourselves. (laughs) I'm sorry. I get so excited. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Sebastian Stan, what do you feel about Uh, him? He's pretty. He's he's gorgeous. Yes. I, he's even he's even prettier with the the makeup around his eyes. I think, oh, but I like too emo. I don't like him too emo. Oh, I I think I do. Oh, that's it. you like the, you like Ish. the sad soul. Ish. I don't mind. I don't mind a brooding soul, but yeah, I, I don't need a goth. But I I like sad people. Um, <laughs> he's pretty, and I liked him in Once Upon a Time. I don't really know that much. Like that's really about it. Like I, I, I know him from the MCU and Once Upon a Time, um, and then because I'm a gay man and I feel like a lot of gay men do this. But if you think a celebrity is cute, you're gonna look up and see if they've had any rated R moments in movies. And <laughs> he was in a movie in 2015 that's called The Bronze, and it's just like a movie about like gymnasts and whatever and i can't think of the actress's name but she played bernadette on the big bang theory the two of them had a sex scene in this movie and it's like all over the place like gymnastic love making but yeah i'm looking i'm not looking at those those stills but i'm looking at the movie uh on on google here he looks hot with that red jacket so he's not one of the is he a gymnast or he looks more like a coach i think he's a coach and but yeah he was in that tanya harding movie yes he was in that too i tanya i tanya which was so great um yeah I don't, I don't know too much about Sebastian Stan, to be honest with you. I think he's pretty. Yeah. That's it. You yeah. Know? I think we're on the same page. That's, we, that's both ha- we both have more feelings for Anthony and Emily. Yeah. Like, I feel like Anthony most, is yeah. smart and you can have like a conversation. And Emily, I love, I love Everwood so much. But Sebastian, like, I, it's pretty. Yeah. He's pretty and we love him from the MCU. We don't really know him from anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so... Are you a Stucky stan? Do you, um, 
And listeners, if you don't know what Stucky is, it's a Tumblr hashtag from like 2015 because Grandpa Dayspring still has his <laughs> Tumblr. And it was fan art with Steve and Bucky together. And it's called Stucky. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to ask Dayspring before we recorded <laughs> if Stucky meant Steve and Bucky. Um, I mean, I, I used to be on Tumblr too. And I, I remember those fan arts and... Again, being a gay man, I looked more for the triple X ones, but yeah, (laughs) Uh, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm a Stucky fan, but I would understand it because they have that relationship together and Mm -hmm. yeah. I think the, I think the Easter eggs are not the Easter eggs. I'm sorry. I think the subtext was there for Bucky. And, and Steve. And I think that moment in Endgame where Captain America is fighting himself and he goes, Bucky's still alive because he knew it would throw him off. You know, to what degree, you know, the viewer, you know, can decide. But I think it goes back to even the episode of Black Mirror with Anthony Mackie where love takes on very different forms. And to pigeonhole it, to categorize it in something like this is gay love, this is straight love. It's not. It's love. It's very, love is a very weird feeling and it encompasses so much of the human emotion. So that's how I kind of see them together. Yeah, I I completely agree. I was going to say exactly the whole, we don't need to just pigeonhole someone into being straight or pigeonhole someone into being gay. There is bisexuals. And I'm not saying that he's a bisexual either, but yeah, it's just love has so many different meanings and like that Black Mirror episode, you might not realize that you could make a romantic love out of a friendship love until maybe something happens that makes that happen. But yeah. It's, you know, it, I, I look, if I had the perfect world, I would have had Steve and Bucky dancing together at the end. But I think the emotional story was Peggy and Steve and I love I love them together. I really do. I think Endgame ended on a great note. And, and, and speaking of that ending with Endgame, because so much of the series is a reaction to that final moment with old man Steve Rogers passing on the shield to Anthony Mackie. And of course, you know, Sebastian stands in the scene as well. What were your feelings when you saw that? How did you digest that scene when you saw it in Endgame? When that scene happened, I... I think I cried. Uh, There was a lot at the end of Endgame that I cried. And a lot of it, I feel like, is centered around Captain America and and the just the emotions that so many people get because he is our hero. Like, he, he is that person. And I loved that he had the conversation that he did with Falcon because I know there's people that are like, well, it should have been Bucky or... Bucky should be the one taking the shield. And I don't, I don't think it should have been because I think that the moniker or mantle of Captain America means more to like someone that wants to serve the country. And yes, the old time Bucky before he became Winter Soldier was all about America, but now he's broken and damaged and that's not what needs to be his focus, but that is Sam's focus. So it was very touching and I loved that they did that at the end of Endgame. 
I, I think it was such a beautiful scene to, to piggyback off of what you were saying. I cried so much too in Endgame. And well, I, what, the, my version of crying in 2018, <laughs> you know, yeah. now I actually will ugly cry. I ugly cried watching this, by the way, and we'll, we'll get into it. But I, I love the scene because I think there were so many layers to the scene. I think Bucky knew that Cap wasn't going to come back and that he will show up again to give the shield to Falcon. So right there, I think that layer added so much weight to it. I don't think Sam in a million years thought he would ever take on the Captain America mantle when he was the obvious choice because he embodies everything that Steve stood for. While Bucky is still figuring it out. And that's okay, by the way. It's just a different journey. You know, I think it was a much different conversation in the comic books because of all the attention that was being given to Bucky. But I think in the movies, organically, it is Sam. And, yeah. and he embodies what Captain America is. And so I love that scene. I thought the passing of the torch was great. I was a little thrown off when we, when we picked up in this episode with, you know, <laughs> where we're going, because I felt like I did feel closure from Sam when he's like, oh, this doesn't feel like it belongs to me. And Cap was like, but it does. So yeah. I felt like any anxiety that he had taken on mental of Captain America was kind of neatly resolved. I was kind of thrown off that we regressed a little bit with that mindset for the, but that's okay because I think it's larger. It, it, it's a larger story that we're going to see play out in such a great way. So yes. you want to dive into the episode? Yeah. Oh my God. I'm sorry, listeners. We're here an hour and now we're <laughs> in. All right. So we are going to recap episode one of the Falcon and the winter soldier new world order. And Dylan's going to kick us off with the first half. Yeah, so like Dayspring just brought up, that episode, it does start with Sam getting ready to go someplace, and he is reminiscing about that conversation of uh, him and Steve over the shield, and then it just cuts to some amazing action of uh, Sam stopping a terrorist group that's called LAF. Uh, We get to see amazing scene of him jumping out of a plane and extending his wings and getting to see like a new look for the Falcon suit. I love that the episode started with so much action, Uh, but we get to see him like take on these LF LAF people. Uh, We get to see the return of a nobody Marvel villain. And that's Batrick the leaper. No one knows who this character is. I had no but, idea. I had no idea. <laughs> but he was in a Marvel movie before. He was in Winter Soldier. Uh, for those of you that don't know who he was, he was the guy on the ship when Captain America and Black Widow were attacking the terrorists that had taken over a ship. He's the guy that actually did put up a fight against Steve. And so he's back. He's with this terrorist group. Falcon uh, defeats them. And yeah, to to give a Sparknotes version, it takes a while and it's awesome, but he defeats them. He saves a soldier. Uh, There seems to be a little army soldier that is like a huge fanboy of Falcon. Uh, His last name is Torres. Uh, They don't say his first name in this. I don't believe they do, but his name is Torres. Uh, We then get to see that 
uh, Sam is returning the shield to basically the country. And they then place the shield on display at the Smithsonian. And uh, this government official thanks Sam for giving them the shield like, like Sam took something of theirs. And that's a little annoying. Uh, but then we get to see a conversation between Falcon and War Machine. And I, I maybe I'm mistaken, but I think a lot of people were talking about a guest spot in this episode. Was it supposed to be War Machine? I wasn't sh- like surprisingly shocked. No, and I think it was announced that he was yeah. going to be. So I I, I I, was shocked that it was so early on that we we got to see him, but I think we yeah. knew he was returning. Yeah, so they have a conversation. War Machine doesn't really understand why Falcon isn't really taking up like a mantle of Captain America on his own, even though Steve told him to. And then we get to see a flashback of Bucky when he was the Winter Soldier and doing some awful things for Hydra and killing a person on a mission that was completely innocent and was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. It then goes to seeing that this was a nightmare that Bucky was having. And then we get to see him in a scene with his therapist, the Dayspring and I just mentioned, a really funny and intellectual scene between him and his therapist. And again, I don't know the actress's name, but she's amazing (laughs) as as a sassy therapist and they discuss that he is on this journey of seeking amends and i don't know if this is something that's going to come up again but he has three rules that he's following while he's on this those rules are to not do anything illegal not to hurt people and to make sure that he tells them what he's doing is the third rule that he tells these people i'm doing these things on my road to redemption or my amends journey and Uh, the therapist scene ends with her telling him that he needs to have more people in his life. He needs to have socialization. And she sees that he has like no one in his phone and that Sam actually reaches out to him quite a bit. And Bucky ignores those calls. So Bucky then goes to Brooklyn and he has lunch with a gentleman named Yuri. And they seem to have some kind of rapport going on. And Yori is a disgruntled old man. And he's here like, I don't want to have lunch with you. And Bucky's like, no, 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 come on. I'll treat. (laughs) I'll treat. So they go to the restaurant and Bucky locks eyes with the waitress at the restaurant, this woman named Leah. And Yori's like, just ask her out. (laughs) He's like playing matchmaker here. And it's like the cutest thing ever. It just warmed my heart. And She's like, yeah, come by after my shift tomorrow and it's a date. And you know what? I I think this was a personal victory for Bucky. I think this is a moment that his, you know, that they were talking about in the therapy scene where he needs to kind of move forward and live a little. And, And you can see the way Sebastian Stan plays the scene. It's like, there's a micro victory there. However, Yori sees these red bean machi and remembers his son. And of course, we find out this is the victim that Warpath was talking about in the recap. It's a gentleman who was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. He died. You know, Yori was told that it was just an accident, but deep down inside his heart, he knows that there's something more nefarious going on and it's it's killing him. And, and you see... Bucky struggling hearing that. 
But meanwhile, in Louisiana, Falcon goes to visit his sister, Sarah, and the nephews. And we find out that the Wilson family business has come on hard times. His sister, Sarah, wants to sell the charter boat, but Sam begs her to reconsider. And she reluctantly agrees to let her brother be the big hero. And they agree to go to the bank the next day and apply for a loan. So back in Brooklyn, Bucky brings flowers to his date with Leah. It was so adorable. It's so cute. I, I just want to say real quick, I love, people might not realize it when they're watching it, but it's mentioned a few times. Bucky is like a hundred. And he, <laughs> he is an old man. Yeah. I commend, like, I think it's something I didn't think about in any of the MCU movies. I need to think this is an old dude. Yeah. And Sebastian- understand. Yeah, Sebastian does so good playing an old dude in a young dude's body. Exactly that. And, and when he's here, like, yeah, uh, sure. You, you know, he doesn't even know how to do, like, online dating. It's just, it's so well done. And I, I love that you just said that because he is old-fashioned. And he brings flowers to his date with Leah. And Leah's even, like, taken aback by it. She's like, oh, okay. And, and the date is going well. And they have, like, witty banter. And they're playing Battleship. But then Leah says that she thinks it's great that Bucky's spending so much time with Yori because he hasn't taken his son's death too well. And it's taking a toll on him. And Bucky is very triggered by her words and he goes running to Yori's apartment, presumably to tell him the truth, but you know, he backs off and instead says, hey, I think I owe you for lunch. And the scene just ends right there. The next day, Sam goes to the bank with his sister. And this is such a great scene. It's such a great scene. Like Anthony Mackie deserves an Emmy for the way he's sitting there. And he knows he's playing into the loan officer's like fandom. He's like, yeah, it's yes. me. Like, and they're taking selfies and everything. And we can go into it a little bit more later on. But in summation of this really great scene, it was my favorite scene in the entire episode. <sighs> Avengers don't necessarily make an income. It, it's a little murky, but we can assume that they're not paid for being Avengers. They get paid off of government contracts and all, all the goodwill that's out there. And as a result from the blip, I was about to call him Anthony. Sam has no, Anthony has great credit history the last five years, but, <laughs> but Sam doesn't have any credit history because of the blip from these last five years. And his sister is like, uh, he what, did not exist. It was such a great, great, great scene. In Switzerland, Torres tracks down the Flag Smashers and he finds out that they are robbing a bank and he confronts them. And there's this metahuman who like literally wipes the floor with him, like literally like stomps, you know, his foot on his face. So Torres reaches out to Sam to tell him what happened, but is interrupted when Sarah comes in to say, we got to turn on the news, something's happening. And we see the U.S. government introducing John Walker as our new Captain America, and he's wielding the shield that Sam gave up earlier in the episode. And scene. Yeah. <laughs> there is so much to discuss and unpack here. Let's yes. start with a very general question. How did you feel after watching this episode? I loved it. And I, I'm afraid that there's going to be a lot of people that don't because, I mean, WandaVision did set a high bar. But <laughs> WandaVision set a high bar like in a different type of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes when it comes to 
fans, whether they're comic fans or just fans that only watch movies, a lot of them just like want a lot of action or something and not too much storytelling. And I feel like they forget that this comes from a comic book. And so there needs to be story. And I think that might be one of the reasons that Watchmen, the movie is actually one of my favorite comic book movies because it's not too much action. It's more storytelling. And so I feel like this episode was a lot of storytelling. Like they did have to throw in that huge action sequence at the beginning with Falcon in the air, but it was beautiful. It was was a beautiful action sequence. I, I was sitting here and being like, wow, I can't believe this is a TV show. Like CW, come on, yes. you know? Yeah. But, but I, I yeah, thought it was I, great. I'm sorry, I interrupted yeah. you. No, you're fine. I, I just love that the episode was more storytelling than action. I agree. I walked away thinking that was pretty smart. And, and I want to say this respectfully. I think there's some fans who, like you said, love the action sequences and are tuning in just to watch these titans battle it out but this is a story of systemic racism it's a story of trauma coping with trauma for both characters in the way that wandavision was about grief so i love that disney slash marvel isn't afraid to shy away from these kind of topics the thing that gets me nervous is that there are going to be some haters out there who are going to be like oh this is a story of racism or something like that social justice warriors and weaponize what is truly happening in our system, how racism is baked so deeply into the DNA of governments, society, and want to ignore that instead of having a very smart conversation about it through the lens of a Marvel TV show. And that is why I walked away from this thinking, this is a really good show because it's going to start that conversation. And once again, to piggyback off of the wonderful point you made earlier, here's Anthony Mackie, delivering another performance that's going to get people talking. Yeah. I, I thought the same thing that you just said. I I know there's going to be so many people that are going to think this is just a story talking about racism and a black man, but it's not, but even if it comes off that way, it's going to start conversations that need to happen. And yeah. Well, you see it with Sarah when Sarah's like, oh, you mean people like us, you know, when yes. we're coming here. And the the loan officer had a really interesting response, which was, no, I'm on your side. And you get people like that who mm-hmm. are like, no, 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 I'm not racist. I'm on your side here. And, you know, it, 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 I, I will never speak to it from a, a race perspective, but as, as a gay man, I've seen people be like, what? I love the gays. I'm not, I'm on your side. And like, that's so disingenuous. And you can't really vocalize why it's disingenuous, but it's disingenuous. And you got that from the scene. Because you know what? If you actually were on someone's side, you would be like, okay, you're right. People from all around the world who were blipped away are now back. And they're coming to banks to get loans. But you're a fucking Avenger. You have government contracts. You actually, you yourself as a name are a commodity. So you don't have to go through this. We will find another way. Here's another route we can go with the bank. And the fact that they didn't even know their parents, that tells me everything about the town they grew up in. I think a lot of people will see that scene as something that's not really important, but it is. And um, 
because Sam is coming at it at a perspective of he's been gone for five years and that's why this is happening. But his sister's coming at it as a perspective of it's because we're black. And yeah, that, that scene is very powerful. And I was, yeah, I was going to mention it later, but I'm just going to mention it now. I had to look it up because I wanted to make sure I say it correctly, but I know I'll, I don't say people's names as well as my co-host does on my podcast, but the actress that plays Sam's sister, her name is Adepero Adoye. She is a Nigerian actress. She was born in America, but her parents are both Nigerian. She was amazing in this show. I feel like I'm sad that Emily wasn't in this episode, but Sam's sister I, she stole, I think, every scene that both of them were in. I loved her acting in this. And in case people want to know, she ha- actually has been in something else amazing. She was in 12 Years a Slave and had quite a few scenes in that movie. She had such a presence. You literally just like, I can delete that note right here. I said, Sam's sister stole the seed. <laughs> she had such a presence. And, and by the way, an actor can steal the scene sometimes by just being present. And when Anthony Mackie was like, yeah, I'm the hero, huh? selfie, you know what I mean? The way she looked at Sam was the way a sibling would look, which is, oh, you're kind of corny, but I love you and I'm glad you're receiving. It's a very layered performance. It's not just like, oh, that's my brother, so annoying, or oh, yeah. It was so well done and you it's hard to pull that off. You know what I mean? And I just, I loved everything about her. And I love that they, the, 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 the Wilson family business is a charter business down in Louisiana. Cause yes. I, I love Coven. I love everything about new Orleans and the state of Louisiana. I've been on, on, I've been on tour. When I say tour, just I've been booked for gigs down there and like in Jefferson, right outside of uh, new Orleans. It's such a great place. Yeah. And just since we're talking about the Wilson family, I love that even though that almost every scene that we see in is them talking about how they're struggling, but then we also see that they're giving lots of food to people. And yeah, it it just shows that even though he's Falcon, their family still is heroes in their own way. And like, she had to be a hero for his entire family for five years while he was gone. So I, I, I don't know if I if I digested what happened with the parents. The parents are are dead. Her her husband is dead. Her brother was blipped away, and so it was just her running the family business with, with two kids children. When half the world was blipped away. Yeah, and I I think that goes back to like even Hayward's scene in WandaVision where he said, you people who just came back from the blip, we don't have the gift of optimism anymore. And that kind of, I like that connection because look how hard it was while people were, and I'm glad that Marvel isn't shying away from that. Yeah. And real quick, since you mentioned it about her husband being dead, I'm going to join the crazy fan theories that are online that I want to know how her husband died and if he's possibly someone that Bucky may have killed. I didn't even consider that. Because I, I feel like it might not be... I have a, goosebumps a, now. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it might not be just a story of them saying this is a single mom type of thing. 
I feel like they may have purposely mentioned that she was a widow for a reason. Other than that. Warpoth, you're going to turn me into a clown again. I I (laughs) swore to myself I wasn't going to be a clown. It's it's Mephisto all over again. (laughs) It's Mephisto. Mephisto killed (laughs) killed him. Everyone that's that's mentioned that they're dead, Bucky did it. (laughs) Well, speaking of just like the side characters, I do want to mention Torres again. Uh, In comics, Torres is a character. He is a character named Joaquin Torres. And in recent years, I don't read too much outside of X-Men, but (laughs) I I do know that in recent years, he became a newer version of Falcon. So I I love that knowing that this little like army fanboy of Falcon is somebody in comics. And just to relate it to X-Men real quick, if people might think that this actor looks familiar, I actually didn't look up his name, but uh, this actor was actually in the first season of The Gifted, which was a it's Fox. It's a multiverse. It's yeah. Mephisto. It's a, it's a multiverse. Yes. So to be like WandaVision and their connection to the Fox universe with Evan Peters, this Torres guy was in the first season of The Gifted and he was a mutant. <laughs> he was adorable. Like, I love that he was such a stan and he was, when they were at the cafe and they were looking for the Flag Smashers, you know, symbol. First of all, I thought he was just taking like his Instagram because like, yeah. and like, I, that's what I would be doing. <laughs> I was like, God, this millennial. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was really adorable. I, I love the rapport the actor had with Anthony Mackie. I didn't know he was on The Gifted. I didn't watch it's fine i was a bad x-men fan and i didn't watch the gifted when it was first on but i started it when the second season started I, I, but the the funny thing is i actually only in the past week or so started re-watching the gifted because oh. i i wanted to talk about it more in my facebook group and i actually just watched an episode where he was on it and i was like wait this, this is Torres from Falcon and Winter Soldier. So it's the only reason what I know. What was his mutant power? Uh, he could make illusions. Oh, a little Jason Weingart there. Yes. I, I thought the Stefra Cuckoos, Polaris, all of the X-Men were handled so well. I was disappointed that Amy Acker, the, the first episodes I saw, that it, it, it was a family... And um, I'm forgetting Bill Compton's name, <laughs> the actor's name. Yeah. But I was disappointed that Amy Actor and him were playing mom and dad to kids. And I, I just, I would have just rather focused on Polaris and all and Blink and all those characters and not even have that family. But I do acknowledge that there are really good fans and that it gets significantly more involved in the mythos as yeah. it goes on. But the stuff for Cuckoos, I mean, that they are my Skylar... Samuels, I she is one of the actresses. I hope they bring back because I thought she slayed it. She was perfect. Her, yes. and, I mean, everybody talking about how Emma Dumont did so well as Polaris, and she did. She should get the credit that she did. But Skyler was killer you as have the a photo with Emma, right? I do. How was she IRL? Oh my god! When I met her at a con, like I got in line to meet her. And I was so angry in this line for taking forever. And I didn't realize why it was taking forever. And then as I got closer, I found out why. And it was because Emma is amazing. She wanted to talk to all of her fans for like half an hour. Oh my 
my god and (laughs) the funny thing is just this is how much my craziness of life circles most of her fans were gay men and she (laughs) was literally talking to every fan about that current season of drag race that was on (laughs) and then when i got because i think something major had happened on an episode the night before and then when i got up there to finally talk to her and it was an amazing time she asked me if i watched drag race and i was like i don't and And she's she's like like, thank you next (laughs) yeah she was basically like uh you are gay right and i was like yes i'm a bad one and she's like okay It was, yes, Emma was amazing. She adores her fans. She talked to me for half an hour too, even though I didn't watch Drag Race. And I I got a video of her saying hi to everyone in my House of X Facebook group. I, I prepared and found these like weird lights that are like little flashlights that you could put on your finger with an elastic ring. I took one that was green and it would make a green light effect i took it and gave it to her and i was like because she had a polaris headpiece i was gonna ask she she had the headpiece right in the photo yeah when she would get pictures with people she would like pretend to look like polaris or whatever and then i gave her that i was like here this will make it look like you have your green power effect and she hugged me and she's like this is gonna make all my pictures so much better i feel bad for all the fans that didn't get this and yeah she was outstanding as she yeah. You could tell. You could that that was easily readable. You could tell she was having the time of her life playing Polaris. I'm sad she's another one I want back. I'm sad that she hasn't gotten more opportunities. So yeah. she she was great. She was she was absolutely wonderful. Um back to the show. Back to the show. <laughs> now now thinking of Emma and and Polaris and and the stuff for Cuckoos. So what did we think of Bucky's journey? in the episode i love that we're gonna get a redemption like trail like i i mean it makes sense i love that during the the therapy session she kept mentioning you're doing these things because you were granted like immunity from the government like you were a terrorist and you murdered people but the government has given you a pardon which i'm glad that they tackled that because they're, they're little marvel so good at leaving things open but when they, they, they close a thread, they close it. And that's yeah. something there. Yeah, yeah cause because there's there I know there's fans out there that are like, uh, this dude killed people. Tony <laughs> Stark's parents. Yeah. Uh we need to and then yeah, let's just throw in this line, you were pardoned. And that and closes so many books. Yeah. But but I love that even though he got this pardon, he's not just gonna be like, Oh, I got a pardon, I can have my new life. No, he needs to go back and face his demons of what he did. Yeah, and so there were two things that really stood out to me. One, he keeps a list of names in a notebook. And that felt like a callback to when Steve was writing things he needed to uh, look up when he came back. And I think it goes back to what you said that uh, Bucky's like 100 years old. They, they specifically say 104, 106. I, I forget which it was. Yeah. But he's not going to type things on his phone. He's going to actually write it out. And did he have a flip phone? Yeah. I was going to say, there's so many little things that like, even before they verbally mentioned <laughs> how so old pretty, he, he has the, a flip phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That before they even verbally mention how old yeah. he is, if you like, cause I've watched the episode a few times now. Um, 
Because you knew we were going to tear it apart. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then talk about <laughs> the gift. Yeah. Just his responses during the therapies scene. If you like close your eyes and think of an old man, his responses sound like an old man. But yeah, when she took his phone, it was like a smartphone that was like a flip phone. <laughs> I was like, yes, that makes sense because he's old. <laughs> yeah. And he also, the other thing that I, I noticed that I liked a lot, he's sleeping on the floor. And that was a conversation that Steve and Sam had, which is, it's your bed, right? It feels like you're sleeping on a marshmallow. And so he's sleeping on the floor and he's having those nightmares. And I don't know, I, I, I would never compare any of my experiences to someone who goes off to a war or is a brainwashed assassin for Hydra and has murdered countless of innocent people. But I mean, you can't compare yourself to that. You can't put your head and oh. put yourself in that headspace. You know, maybe after a few martinis. <laughs> but I, I am empathetic to the notion that there are things you've done that you haven't yet reconciled or things that have happened to you that you haven't yet reconciled in yourself and you have nightmares night after night. And it's not even, you know, I think it was a little dramatized with the, the nightmares, obviously, but you dream about things over and over again and it weighs on you and it's exhausting. And I love that the, the point of the, their therapy session is to make peace with those nightmares by going out and resolving. And that's what he's doing. It's just, Dylan, it's so fucking smart. Yeah, yeah. It's, I wasn't it's, expecting smart. Yes, it's so smart. And I mean, it could be so easily, like he could think, like I wasn't in control. So I don't need to seek redemption for this. But even though you weren't in control, you were watching it like it was a film and you saw that you were doing it with your hands. It's- the- great it's the amount of emotions that i felt with this episode i felt angry when sam and sarah were at the bank and then when yori was at the restaurant and he remembered his son and then the conversation with leah being like we have words for people who lose a spouse we have words for children who lose parents but we don't have a word for a parent who loses a child and Dylan, I was ugly crying. And I'm even getting upset talking about it right now. But I I went into the bathroom and I just bawled. You know what I mean? It's just so hard. 2020 has just been so much loss for people. And little lines like that, even with Vision and WandaVision, when he said, what is grief but love persisting? It's like... Marvel is just nailing it. They're, they're so Disney with, their, with playing with the emotions. You know what I mean? Like, I feel this has been such a great venue for them to really flesh out characters and speak to the audience and deliver a message. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to, this could sound bad, but uh, I think having 2020 happen, not just because of the fact that fans are going to be obsessed with anything that they get because 2020 took everything away from us. I think so much that happened during 2020 is going to make us love these stories more, not just because we're happy that we got content, but the racism and the loss and love persisting in WandaVision and this show. I I think it's going to, it's going to be great for, for this show that it came out when it did. And and by the way, what you just said is not 
bad at all or anything because Marvel has even said it's been a coincidence that what happened with the blip, you know, is kind of paralleling the paralleling. It's a parallel <laughs> is a parallel to everything with the pandemic. And I think of that scene with Monica waking up at the hospital and how frantic it was, you know, I'm sure like you, I have friends and family members who are doctors or frontline workers during this awful time. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate that it's more, you can draw parallels and not an overt commentary on what's happening with 2020. But I just thought the emotions in these episodes, I think Bucky having those nightmares, seeing a therapist, trying to make amends, it's humanized the character in such a way and respecting their history. Because I think this is a fallacy that a lot of people think. You would think, oh, he went to Wakanda. He had his like spa day and now he's fine. No, he said, I've been at war for, you know, however many years. I took a break in Wakanda, but now I'm back and I have to deal with all these things. And that, again, is so true to real life. You don't just get over it because you go on vacation. This, a yeah. lot of grief and trauma, you process it for the rest of your life. And that was something I was looking up last night when I was you know, trying to cope with some of my grief. You're not done grieving, grieving. That's it. You are going to grieve the rest of your life and you're going to have to process it the rest of your life. End of story. There's some losses that are that deep. And yeah. I feel with Bucky, what he did, being brainwashed, killing innocent people, in this case, Yuri's son, has had such a deep, profound effect on him that I don't even think he'll ever feel right about what happened. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like he mentioned in his therapy session, when people, like you just said, when people think that, oh, he got to have his spa day in Wakanda, well, just think about his words that he said in the therapy session and think about his history. Like he was in World War II or, and then died during it. And then he was brainwashed and killed a whole lot of people. Then he got to have his spa day of finally being in control again. And then he was thrown into another war. So it's like that spa day didn't even happen. He he was just back in war and now he's free again. And what are you supposed to do with that? So that's what it's all about. And then his boyfriend left him, went back in history. (laughs) Yes. The love of his life. It's so dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. I just... Again, and, and this is exactly with Wanda, why Wanda would have had her emotional break in WandaVision is because her parents died, her brothers died, her lover died. Oh, then she died in the blip. And of course, everything that happened was civil war. And now she's back in a world that she doesn't yet recognize. It's the same with, with I was about to say Stucky. <laughs> it's the same with Stucky. It's the same with Bucky, which is exactly what you just said. He went to war and he died at war. And then all that stuff happened and now he's back and he has to cope with all that. I, I just thought it was so smart. It was so great. I think they they did say ahead of time that this was going to deal with a lot of bigger issues. And I think they delivered on it. You know, obviously the conversations could be deeper and, you know, more than we can get out of a Marvel, you know, TV show. But I just, I loved it. Yeah, and- you were okay with what you were about to say, a Marvel movie. This is just a Marvel movie <laughs> that's six hours long that we have intermissions for. Yes, it's it's their version of the Snyder Cut. Yes. <laughs> I I loved Leah. Do we think Leah's gonna turn out to be someone? I don't I, I don't know, but I, I I loved her too. I know there's lots of fans out there that are like, maybe she's a mutant. No, she there's no mutants in this, okay? Stop. <laughs> 
but, but... They, they weren't there in WandaVision. <laughs> Look, I had that moment to myself when um, they were talking about the metahuman and Torres was like, do you think he's a, and then Falcon, I was like, mute it, mute it, mute it. I was like, stop it, stop it, wrangle yourself in. I'm like, it's Kane, it's, well, Kane isn't a mutant, but it's Kane, yeah. it's an X-Men reference, how about that? Mm-hmm. And it was like, no, stop it, that's not gonna happen. I'm Googling Leah and seeing what people are saying about her. Yeah, I, I don't think she'll be anybody from comics, but I, I do loved her performance. I, I I feel like we might not have Yuri in all of these episodes, but Leah will be there as maybe emotional support. Even if she doesn't become like a girlfriend of Bucky's long term, she'll be that that socialization that his therapist wants him to have. And I hope she stays around. She seems to be very good for Bucky, even if she doesn't be a girlfriend. I just Googled Leah really quickly. And what I got on the wiki is there is a character named Leah who is Loki's creation. So maybe if this is going to tie into the Loki, the Loki show that is next. Yeah. Maybe. (laughs) Who knows? I, you know what? I have an open heart. I thought the actress was great. I love what she said how she delivered the line, how are you with the dating pool now that half the fish in the sea are back? I thought that was so fun. I love this reaction to the blip, you know, with the flag smashers thinking the world was better off before because you would have douchebags like that. And I loved even how it's baked into the conversation. Yeah, it's even, I mean, in a way, it's kind of making fun of the blip, but sometimes that's how some people are or how some people deal with something that's horrible. They make a joke. And to some people, it might offend them, but humor is how some people deal with things. And yeah, I loved that line because it was really kind of the first time in any of the movies or WandaVision or anything where somebody made light of the blip. Yeah, well, I think Kathy Griffin said this, which is sometimes you go through so much shit. Like when she was talking about performing for the soldiers in Iraq, she was like, I can't go up there and talk about, you know, my celebrity jokes. Like sometimes you're going through shit that is so real that your threshold for humor is just that high. So I agree. Leah and and, and people would be traumatized. Think about the jokes we make about Miss Corona. It's because yeah. the trauma is so real. And it's so you need to kick it up a few notches. You're, you're not being disrespectful, but you you are trying to process and make light of what, what's happened. But wait, quickly, Leah was also in Young Avengers, that creation of Loki. I, I'm just I was uh, looking at photos I, here. I totally now need her to just be Loki. Yeah. And <laughs> I need Leah and Bucky to kiss. And then I need Leah to morph back into Loki so we can see Loki and Bucky kissing. <laughs> I need that to be the last scene of the last episode. So then it goes right into Loki. That's the after credits. <laughs> I thought the action, Dylan, was so good. I, when I was watching it, that opening scene where you were like, it's amazing. <laughs> he wins, but it's an amazing scene. I thought, wow, they're really delivering on the action here. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because WandaVision had the action at the end with Agatha and Wanda. But here we got it straight in this episode at the beginning and then at the bank scene. And like it was so practical the way that MetaHuman was stomping on beautiful Taurus's face. Yes. 
I I loved that they had the little soft moment with Sam at the beginning and then it went straight into action because like you said, WandaVision had action at the end. Uh, I love that they had it at the beginning of this to show, hey, this is not WandaVision. Yeah, no, <laughs> this, absolutely right. Yeah, just like how Captain America, the first Avenger movie was incredibly different than like the Iron Man movies. And Thor, like it had to be set apart to be completely different. So I, I love that it's like, hey, we're not WandaVision. We're actually the comic booky action fight show. Yeah. And I think what they're doing with Flag Smasher, the he's a character in the comics, turning it more into an ideology. Let's see where they go. I don't know too much about Flag Smasher. I'm not going to be here like, oh, I've known everything. Huh? He literally typed in Flag Smasher Marvel and got whatever I yeah. got. I have no idea who Batrick the Leaper is. The only other no time, <laughs> the only other time I Googled this was when Winter Soldier came out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who is this dude that's fighting Steve and actually holding his own? That was the first time. And the second time I Googled it was after I saw Winter Falcon and Winter Soldier for the first time. That scene in Winter Soldier, though, where he goes up against him and Steve finally takes off his like helmet. And we're like, oh, there's Chris Evans. Look at that pretty Chris Evans face. That's the extent I remember. And in fact, it was my husband who mentioned, oh, that's a dude from Winter Soldier. And I'm like, yeah. and of course, now I'm always on my phone. I'm like, the what now? <laughs> yeah, I didn't think anything like I didn't even realize, like recognize the face. But I remembered when I Googled before during Winter Sol- Soldier that Patrick wears purple and yellow yeah and then after he was fighting sam in this episode for a few minutes i was like wait that's purple and yellow is this that dude nobody knows from winter soldier <laughs> yes it is yes so how do we think they're gonna introduce baron zemo and and sharon carter in the next few episodes i don't know <laughs> same, same. uh i i don't know how they'll tie these LAF people to Baron Zemo besides just saying that Baron Zemo is in charge. Like that's the only thing I can think of. And I feel like Sharon will probably just be introduced as like shockingly and sadly, she'll probably be introduced as like some sort of liaison with this new Captain America, which real quick, I know we've talked about the other moments in this that are racism but just the moment of Sam seeing this other Captain America, it's just, it was, that's a part where I cried. Cause it's just like, we get to see our black hero see that the government chose someone else that's not him. And it's just this random white guy. And Sam did what he thought was the right thing to do. He thought there's no way I can live up to that legacy. I'm not deserving of that legacy. I'm going to give this back to the people. I'm going to put the shield in the museum. And of course, that, that, that speech he was giving, and I saw this on like a BuzzFeed thing last night, when he is talking about Cap and being so mastering the stoic pose, he's on the left of that of that, that image, a little nod, you know, a little nod to the when they first met on your left. But I love that scene because you see the layers with Sam and what motivated him to do that. Yeah. And that's why I was like, when we were talking about the end game scene, I thought we moved past it. 
you know, that he was just going to straight up go into, I thought it was going to be more him holding on to the shield and the U S government coming you know, to him and being like, no, you can't be captain America. We're going to have our own captain America and we're going to create our own shield. But Sam actually did what he felt was the right thing and like give the shield back to the people. And then the government was being duplicitous, took that shield and gave it to someone who we know is nowhere near deserving. And my heart broke for Sam because you can see that Sam was like, this is racism. I let Steve down. It's not, this wasn't right what they did. Yeah. So many emotions. Yeah. And, and even if it comes off as maybe he didn't see it as racist, it, it's probably with his character more, it, it's feel like I wasn't good enough to be like Steve, but you can see the racism thought in his sister's face. That's why she ran oh, in there. Yes. It was the scene at the end was very much just like the scene in the bank. Like yeah. Sam was seeing this at a completely different thought process and not racism, but his sister was. And then oh, at the end, very, very yeah, good point. at the end, it was the exact same thing. He's seen it more as he's not good enough. And yeah. she's like, no, it's because you're black. Yeah. And I like that calling to attention in a narrative, the systemic racism and how deep it is. And that something like this was pulled. And I just, I, it makes me excited to see this narrative play out and Sam rising as Captain America. And do we, so here, here's a question for you before we get into the one overt X-Men Easter egg. Where do we think, where do we, do we think this is going to end with Sam becoming Captain America in the way that Wanda becomes a Scarlet Witch at the end of WandaVision? I feel like, and some people might hate that that's what's, might happen, but I I think that's what's going to happen. I think we're going to see that he will become Captain America towards the end. And I'm fine with that. I, I'm fine with us having two shows that somebody realizes who they are. Yeah. And again, yeah. I, I thought at the end of Endgame, that's it. He's Captain America. No more questions. Give, give us our next three or four movies with Sam starring as Captain America. And maybe the next it would be Bucky or Cap Returns or some other yeah. character will go in. So I'm, I'm excited for the journey. I am. I don't want to be a clown. I am expecting Sam to be Captain America at the end of this. I want him to be Captain America at the end of this. So... All right. Our last thing to talk about is in the end credits, you know, we have a couple like little Easter eggs. We have the day Tony Stark's parents died. We have a power broker is watching, but we also have the name Madripoor. And that of course is a very significant location for the X-Men. Yeah. It's exciting. I'm glad that it's, it's mentioned but I, I think everyone needs to calm down and realize that <laughs> it might might be Marvel's way of saying, we know that you want X-Men. We're going to go at this at a really slow pace. What's some places that are X-Men related that have had other Marvel character stories? Let's mention Madripoor. It's not like they mentioned Krakoa, so calm down. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, listen, bitch. Um, I'm going to put you on mute. Yes. Um, I, what I, what I'm really curious about is, was Madripoor off the table from a legal perspective until the X-Men migrated back to Marvel? 
I, I'm curious how the legality of that worked. I don't know the answer. I would imagine something like Madripoor, as you said, occupies much more identities apart from the mutants. And maybe it's more of like a Wanda Pietro situation, but I'm glad that they're putting it there. We've known for a while that Madripoor was coming and it was kind of leaked there on for some onset photos, but I'm, I'm glad that this universe is starting to slowly expand and to encompass more traditional X-Men stuff. Yeah, I, I would assume that it would have to be just like the Wanda Pietro controversy of who owns what. <laughs> so yeah, Madripoor was more with X-Men, just like Wanda and Pietro were more with the Avengers at that time. So All right, Dylan, we put on our Instagram that you were going to be on the show. And we got a couple of questions. I had to <laughs> weed them down because everyone loves you. You're such oh, a great boy. human being. I may have posted, of course, with your blessing, the photo of you as spring break Wolverine roasting some weenies <laughs> and the amount of eggplant emojis that came in. Thank you for that. I don't get those at all. <laughs> no one's sending me eggplant emojis. <laughs> but we did get some good listener questions in and we're gonna, I'm gonna ask you a, a couple of that because I think we can have a four hour episode of me just asking you what people want, uh, want to know. So listeners, we're doing a segment now where we're soliciting listener questions. Feel free to submit. Our guest is gonna answer a few and Dylan has been kind enough to dedicate some time to answering because we're going on two hours here. Yes, we are. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Question number one. Is he single? <laughs> I am not. I am happily taken. Um, I, I sometimes feel like when it comes to the internet, people are all over hashtags that you might post or they completely ignore them at all. And in most of my posts, I put that I am taken. And I'm happily taken. Yes. And the photos you post are very cute. And now I want ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> How hot are Sam and Bucky? We kind of answered this already. Yes, they are gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> In reference to the Wolverine spring break photo you did, someone writes in, I want this to be his dating profile photo. <laughs> Um, I, I will say that photo did get a lot of reactions. Um, I, I kind of knew that it would, but I, if nobody knows what this picture looks like or what it was for, there's an Instagram artist, uh, Mike Sagawa. He goes by X underscore Serps online. He did a summer swimsuit extravaganza type of thing where he asked other artists to send him art of X-Men in swimsuits and he was also just asking the fandom in general and so he had pictures of like toys in swimsuits and then there was cosplayers that were doing it as well and I'm friends and so is Dayspring uh, with uh, Demanda Martini and uh, uh, Dax exclamation point and I knew that the two of them were doing swimsuit photos and 
I had actually already been given a swimsuit that looked very much like this Wolverine swimsuit and this trading card from my boyfriend uh, because he has a thing for Wolverine. And <laughs> I was like, I, I can do this. And so, yeah, that's why I did. I wanted it to be for a good reason for Mike Sagawa. It was not for me to get attention my of myself and my body, but why not? Look, you look, uh, you look amazing in it. When you sent me that, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that photo before. I may have, I may have not, but I was just like, oh, let me comb my hair now when I talk to you. <laughs> you have such a wonderful, you, you can tell you're just having a fun time embodying Logan in that photo. Name an underrated X-Men character. Um, I'm a weirdo that loves all the Z-list characters, and Z-list, I think, is another word for underrated. Um, Fair. I mean, everybody knows that I love Warpath, and he's underrated. And I love Monet, and she used to be underrated, but she's had a lot of times here lately where she's not. Um, I I love Warpath. I, I would choose him, but I do want to mention Husk as she's a hugely underrated character. Oh, she she always lives in the shadow of her brother. She's always the second best Guthrie when I think she's actually the better one. What did you think of Warpath and his gym shorts? I loved it. I mean, uh, who wouldn't love seeing their favorite tall, dark, and handsome and muscly comic book boyfriend in gym shorts and a tank top and I, I love it but then I also got really mad because I have this uh need of having commissioned art of every suit that Warpath has ever had or every look that he has had that's iconic and so many people love this gym short look I'm like I'm not a Warpath fan if I don't have some artist make this as a one-of-a-kind commission so I'm angry for the fact that I'm going to have to spend a lot of money again <laughs> because I was already done with like all of Warpath's looks. But yeah, now I have to get something new for my wall. Can I give you a spoiler for an episode that we just recorded? We interviewed Rod Rice and he said that he's inspired by the 80s quite a bit. And of course, I mentioned the Warpath shorts and he goes, well, another source of inspiration was Rocky Three on the beach scene with the crop top. And his goal is to put Warpath in more things like that. So we uh, may amazing. see Warpath in a crop top. Just awesome. Just saying, so you're going to bust the bank. Yeah, I'm going to have to get even more art done. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> okay, so we, we have a few more. We have a few more and we're going to let you go. That's fine. What is his favorite Wolverine look? Hmm. I <laughs> who asked this question? <laughs> um, that's my favorite wolf or Wolverine look. Did you say Warpath or Wolverine? Wolverine, Wolverine, Wolverine. Okay. Um, that's how much I'm obsessing with Warpath. <laughs> uh, I would say I really am fond of when they started X-Force again with the gray and black suits. Oh. I, I very much love the gray and black suit. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I love that uniform look for them. Hi. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I, I get that a lot too. <laughs> hi. On Instagram too. Hi. 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 That's a hi for you, not a hi for me. Hi. Hi, hi whoever asked, said that. 
Okay, here's a fun kind of question. What is your favorite slash least favorite episode of the podcast? And I, I assume they're they're talking about yours. Ooh, um, I don't know. Uh, I would probably say, honestly, my first one because I. I don't think Regina and I knew our rhythm yet. And it, it's just gotten better over time. Um, I haven't gone back and listened to the first episode yet, but I don't, I, I just like Dayspring and many other people, I really love the catchphrase that Regina has came up with. And I'm not sure that it's in our first episode. So, and honestly, I want to redo the first episode. I just now thought of it. I had this big dream of what the first episode should sound like with like an opening sequence. And it's, it like starts with a cold start of like silence. And then I talk about how like a pandemic struck and <laughs> how like there was marches for the black lives matter and things like that. And then we start the music. And to me, in my mind, it sounded cool and sounded like the intro to Avatar The Last Airbender, but I think it sounds so cheesy and I would I would totally redo that if I could. Do you edit the episodes or do you send them off to someone else to edit? I edit them, so that's why they don't sound that great. No, I do too. <laughs> I, I edit the episodes, but it's funny because if I didn't have to edit the episode, the reason why I ask is because if I didn't have to edit the episode, I would not listen to the episodes, <laughs> you know, because it's so weird to hear it and, and you don't really enjoy it. And you can get trapped in your head being like, you will hear things that other people don't hear, or mm -hmm. you'll be able to tell when your, your energy dropped or your voice cracked, even though a normal listener probably would never pick up on things like that. So when I listen to every single episode, I'm like, this is garbage. This yeah. is fucking garbage. Upload. I'm done. And then, yeah. but then I do a quality check once it's on the, the iTunes store or Spotify, wherever the podcasts are just to make sure that it, there, there are no errors and it's painful. It is the yeah. most painful thing having to listen to yourself, if, like yeah. five times. If, yeah, I was just gonna say, if people knew that we listen to ourselves like five or six times, like I have to listen to it like twice as I'm editing because you listen and then you stop and then you rewind. And so it's like listening yeah. to it twice while you edit and you already went through it when you recorded it. And then when you put it on Spotify, I go back and I listen. And then I'm like, oh, I missed that. Why did I not take that um out? But <laughs> then I realized that I got into a point where I was like, I'm done editing. I don't care if there's still 25 minutes. I'm just putting the outro and I'm done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, it's weird. And then you start noticing how like, conversation dynamics go and then you're like oh wait why why did i jump in here i should have like marinated on my feelings more and it's it's horrible it's horrible if you have a podcast drink wine or make a mocktail or whatever you do to quench your anxiety because it is it is difficult to go through the I, for me it is painful to listen no it, it is for me too and i do let my co-hosts know this um <laughs> And Regina probably tells you something like inspirational because she, she does. always sounds like she's on a mic. Yes, like this. 
she always does. And if you listen to some of our episodes at the end, she is always saying things like, if you want to like Venmo us or whatever, but she's so appreciative of it that in some of those episodes, she says, do it for even just like Dylan's time, because I know that he has to do all of this. And she's like, all I have to do is show up. So yeah, I, I'm appreciative of my co-host as well. All right. So next up, next episode, next question as an animal lover, which X-Men pet slash animal is the best? <laughs> That's a random question, by the way. It, it's it's a random and crazy, and I love it. Question. Um, I would have to say that uh, Amazing Baby is growing on me. I didn't love Amazing Baby when they first showed up. I thought it was cheesy that we're going to have a werewolf be somebody's pet, but it's grown on me. Did you love it when we got Rachel's look and for the Hellfire Gala and she's holding amazing baby with like red hair and Nightfall, who is my brother and guest on this podcast sometimes, we were like, that's Madeline Pryor's wig that <laughs> she's holding amazing baby with. <laughs> yes, I, I, yeah, I, I love that. Um, I love, I don't necessarily love Rachel's look, but I love that Amazing Baby was incorporated. Mm -hmm. All right, Warpath, we're going to let you go. But before you go, is there anything on the podcast that's coming up? Do you have any projects you would like to plug? Um, well, we do have our X Gala coming up soon, um, which is, you have it upside down. Uh, Look at the ring reflecting there. Look yes. at that. This, this is a quality invite. Right? I like, thought who so. Who designed it? Me. You designed this? Yeah, I did everything on there. How I did mean, you, how the, do back, you do these? the background, I will tell you, is just some random Google search image. <laughs> <laughs> but all the font and everything is me. Do you do a lot of the graphics for House of X? Uh, I do some of them. Some of our lo our logos and stuff are made by a great friend and also moderator of House of X, uh, Brad Gibson, who's Chillax and Jackson on oh, Instagram. I love, love Brad. Brad uh, was one of the first people I met when this podcast was starting off. And I went to some kind of Halloween gathering where Brad yes. was penance. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, we have the X Gala, which will not be an episode it's actually we're kind of taking a cue from the amazing dayspring and power of x-men um we have a few things coming up that just cannot be episodes so we are going to have our own youtube page and we're going to upload the x gala on there but yes! Uh, about a week or so ago regina and i recorded a roundtable discussion with uh, it was a BIPOC roundtable discussion. And for people that don't know what that means, it is Black, Indigenous, people of color. And we had, I think we had 10 people with us. And so with us, that made it 12. It was 12 people talking about X-Men comics and sci-fi 
genre in, in general. We had Black people, we had Indigenous people, we had Asian people. It was amazing and lasted about as long as this episode. <laughs> so that's why I don't want to edit it. It's just going to be a YouTube video. Um, but yeah, that's something amazing that's coming up. I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear that. Thank you again for spotlighting marginalized voices. You make it a point on not only your episodes, but on the Instagram, on the Facebook group to highlight Black History Month, Women's History Month. You put it out there. Not many people do. You and Regina, thank you guys so much for what you do for the community. Thank you. Thank you. And and thanks for having me here today. There is no one else. I was so excited this morning when I was like, oh my God, we're recording, we're recording. I was rushing to get my notes done, but I genuinely wanted to talk to you about the episode. You know what I mean? Like, and, and we, of course, DM all the time, but I was like, be coy. Don't say your feelings. Save it for, and this is like advice Legion on Zoom gave, which is don't talk too much before you hit record save it for the episode. Yes. Yes. Me and Regina have to do that all the time. Like we'll ask each other thoughts on an issue or something. And then we start, if we write more than a sentence, the other one sends back, save it for the podcast. Do not talk anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And where can folks connect with you? Uh, People can find us on Instagram and Twitter at just type in House of X or House of X podcast. And it is usually always the first thing that comes up. Uh, Unfortunately, I haven't been able to sync the names on Instagram and Twitter, but yeah. And then you can always find me and Regina and even Paul and this sounds braggy, but like over 13,000 other people on Facebook at our X-Men Facebook group that's called House of X. It's not bragging at all because it is a great community where people are just coming together and having a good time. And it's a wonderful space to have very geeky conversations without it being toxic because you guys manage 13,000 community members and you get a lot of that toxicity. You purge it. So thank you for that. Oh my God, I hit my mic when I said that. I'm like, thank you for that. (laughs) Mic drop. Mic drop. Yeah, I did just want to say if you have listeners that aren't a part of the group, um, I know Facebook can be not everyone's cup of tea. I know some people prefer Twitter over Facebook, which to me makes no sense because I feel like Facebook is way more filtered and can keep out hate. Uh, But it it is a a private group. So you have to join to be able to see the posts, but it is a very inclusive group. It is very queer friendly and I didn't even mean for it to be, but it is incredibly queer friendly. But I try to let people know that this might not seem too important to people, but we have 10 admins and moderators all together and it is gay people. It is straight people. It is black people. It is white people. It is mothers. It's fathers. It's, it's a combination of everything that, because I don't want to just have like a group that has like three white moderators, because that's not what represents the X-Men fan base. And we don't always necessarily agree on everything either, but we do what we can to make the group a fun and safe place. How do you sleep at night? Like I do, you, you I, have the podcast, you have, the Facebook <laughs> group, you have a life, presumably. Yes, luckily. I have, when it comes to those admins and moderators, I've curated it to where I do have people in multiple time zones and multiple countries. One of our admins is in 
South Africa. One of our admins is in China. And then the rest of our admins, we are in every single United States time zone. Wow. House of X United right there. <laughs> yes. All right, listeners. I'm the Uncanny Dayspring signing off. Bye. 